Welcome. Uh, we are doing things a little bit differently today because I am speaking on a heart of worship and I want to um, give us all an opportunity to, to worship God a little bit later. So I'm going to speak now. Thank you, Ben. That was really cool. Uh, I love these new songs we're doing. And uh, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a blessing. So, yeah, heart of worship, that's what I'm speaking on this morning. And let me just get back to the beginning. You know, God's desire is for us, his church, to worship him. Hey. But there's a, there is a common misconception that tends to kind of be in people that are new to church, and that is that, uh, that worship is just this, this slow part of singing during during church on a Sunday. But it's not just that. That is a little bit of it. That's, that's what we do when we're together as a body. Uh, but it's not entirely, you know. It, worship is something that we do every day. should be something we do every day. Worship is something that God seeks every day. And in John 4.23 it says, well, Jesus said, the hour is coming. And now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. That's what he seeks. So if we don't realize that worship is a lifestyle, the people around us who don't know God won't have see, seen how great God is at changing the lives that are yielded to him or surrendered to him. There's a quote that I really like from a book called The Worshipping You, and it says, Unbelievers are confused about the sincerity of our relationship with God because we talk a lot about him, yet sacrifice so little for him. So if we love God as we say we do, then our actions should follow. That's logic, right? So our desire to spend time with God should propel us into a lifestyle of worship rather than just worship at church on Sundays. Um, a lifestyle is something that we do every day, isn't it? It's what we choose to do. It's the way we choose to live. That's the lifestyle we live. And God wants us to choose to have a lifestyle of worship. And uh, I don't know, some of you may have been here on Mother's Day, but I, I spoke on that day about Mary and Martha and about having a, developing an intimate relationship with with the Lord. So to, to grow closer to God, we need to open ourselves up to him. And sometimes through things that happen in our lives that are out of our control usually, um, things like hurt and trauma, we can put walls up and shields. And it can be really easy to transfer those walls and shields up with our relationship with God. But the problem is that that stops us developing a deeper intimacy with the Lord. And so, but we, you know, we, we can break down those walls. We actually can. And Jesus spent time in God's presence. And we can as well. Psalm 1611 says, You will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Now, I was looking at that scripture in the original Hebrew, and, and it says, you will show me the path of life in your presence. 
It changes it, eh? You'll show me the path of life in your presence. So when we, when we make Jesus our Lord and Saviour, that relationship with God begins. He's been wanting that relationship the entire moment since we were born. But when we choose him, then that relationship begins. And he and through that relationship, you know, we, we know all we if if you've been in church for a while, and not all of you might have been, but if you have been in church for a while, you'll know that when you get to know God, you know, that salvation and so forth. But from that moment on, we, we need to develop a, a lifestyle of worship. And being in his presence is so wonderful because it just brings refreshing, it brings healing, it brings peace, it brings joy. Uh, it relieves us from stress, pressure, and fear. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a place to be in where you just feel just so at peace. Thank you, Father, for your presence right now. Thank you, Father. You know, John said in, uh, sorry, Jesus said in John 14, 6, that he's the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through him. And so that's why we can't find God in other ways. Jesus is the only way. He is the real truth, as we say on our sign outside. You know, when we um, decide to ignite our relationship with God, he encourages us in his word to spend time in his presence continually. In 1 Chronicles 16.11, in the message translation, God tells us to seek his presence day and night. Day and night. So are we old wineskins or are we new wineskins? If you've never heard of that, before from the Bible, you won't know what I'm talking about, but I'm about to tell you. <laughs> wineskins have been used for centuries to store wine. And a wineskin is a bag that's made from the skin of an animal, and it's normally a goat or a sheep. Uh, and new wine is always put into new wineskins. And old wine, uh, sorry, an old wineskin can't actually hold new wine because they, they become brittle. The old wineskins become brittle and lose their elasticity over time. And so what happens is that if new wine is put into an old wineskin, as the new wine ferments and uh, get the gases created um, expand the wineskin, the wineskin cracks and holes are created and the new wine just gets wasted. Jesus said in Mark 2.22, no one puts new wine into old wineskins or else the new wine bursts the wineskins. The wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins. So what is the new wine? The new wine is a new move of the Holy Spirit, something fresh and new. The wineskins, who are they? Believers. Yeah, the wineskins that Jesus referred to as us. And do you know that new, being either a new or an old wineskin re represents our capacity to either receive or reject the Holy Spirit. So old wineskins are those of us who have inflexible mindsets or religious mindsets as well. Religious mindsets are where tradition or the way of doing things 
becomes more important than a fresh and unpredictable move of the Holy Spirit. So old wineskins are believers who aren't open to something different or believers who have a fear of man so they don't want to step out of their comfort zone. And this inflexibility is something that happens over time and we may not even be aware that it's happened. New wineskins, on the other hand, are those of us who are open to the Holy Spirit. And you know what? I just want to encourage you, if, if you feel like you're an old wineskin, you can become a new wineskin again. <laughs> you're not stuck with that. <laughs> you're not stuck with it. So new wineskins are those of us who are open to the Holy Spirit, who want to see him move freely in whatever he, way he wants to, without anything hindering him. In other words, without us hindering him. So are we old wineskins or new wineskins? And how do we become a new wineskin? Well, something I read which I quite liked. The starting point is this, and I'm going to keep going with this next week. The starting point is stop enjoying old wine. Stop enjoying it. Believers remain old wineskins because they enjoy old wine. They enjoy what's familiar to them and struggle to leave their comfort zones. They aren't willing to trade what they find comfortable and what they're used to for something that is different and, and requires a step of faith. Jesus said in Luke 5.39 that old wineskins stay that way because they can't embrace the new wine. And it says in that scripture, and no one, having drunk new wine, immediately desires new, for he says the old is better. Just think about that. Have we ever said the old way of doing things is better? <laughs> I think I might have said that once or twice. <laughs> I don't know if you have. <laughs> I'm preaching to myself just as much as I am to you. The Hebrew word for worship is spelt S-H-A-C-H-A-H, -H -A -H, and that's pronounced shirtua. Shirtua. And it means a deep well a place that we can sink into. Thank you, Father, for your presence here. The Greek word for worship is proskuneo, and that's uh, spelled P-R-O-S-K-U-N-E-O. It means to fall down in reverence and adoration to God, to move towards him with the intention to kiss. It involves movement, and that means it takes a step of faith and obedience. And it also involves intimacy with the intention to draw close to God. And a derivative of the, of the word worship is worship, which, acknowledge, which acknowledges worth or value. So the degree to which we value God is reflected in our worship. So every day we should be mindfully conscious of God and desire to be continually in his presence. So talk to God as, he, as you would a close friend. Thank him for everything you can think of to be thankful for and tell him how wonderful he is. Tell him you love him. You can do that by words or song in any way that you want. You can dance even. But God wants us to worship him as a lifestyle. And worship is obedience as well. Worship is reverence and it's devotion. 
Worship is more than just singing songs. But it does include that. It does definitely include that. God loves our singing, but he loves our obedience even more. An act of worship is a, is a physical demonstration of our devotion to God and a deep expression of our reverence to God. And at Romans 12.1 in the Amplified Version, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourselves, set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. So that is an act of worship. So an act of worship is a, an act of obedience. And we just need to make a quality decision to live our life as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God. And another act of worship is, is, is giving. You know, when, we, when, we, when we give. And, uh, and I'll give you an opportunity to do that soon, actually. Because, you know, um, when we love God, we want to do what he says, eh? And, uh, and there's always blessings that come with it. Uh, and I'm not just talking about giving. I'm, I'm talking about being obedient. God always wants to bless us. And in 1 Samuel 15, Samuel gave a prophetic word to King Saul. Um, so what happened was um, God had told God had told Samuel to tell Saul, you know, um, that the Amalekites, which were a, um, a a group of people that were in the pro occupying the Promised Land, basically, they were they were in in the land where the the Israelites needed or that God had promised them. And uh, let me just turn there. I'm just going to go to one Samuel fifteen. So what happened was, and I'll just, uh, you, the, all, all the way down to um, verse 23 from verse 1 is something you could read in your own time, but what Samuel told King Saul was to utterly destroy all that they have and utterly destroy them, including all their animals. So what actually happened was, and Amalek was a was a group of people that worshipped Baal, um, and that they were they were an evil people. And so what happened was Saul attacked the Amalekites from one place all the way to the other, and he also took in verse eight Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive. But God had told him to destroy everything and everyone. He took him alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people, in verse 9, spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good, and they were unwilling to utterly destroy them. So just think about that for a moment. They were unwilling. They were unwilling. And in verse 10 to 21, Samuel went to see Saul because the word of the Lord came to Samuel in the night, it seems like, he said, I greatly regret that I've set Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. So what happened was uh, Samuel got up early in the morning and went to see Saul. And in verse 13, 
he arrived and Saul said, Blessed are you of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. But Samuel said, What then is all this bleating and lowing of the cattle? What is that I hear? <laughs> because he'd noticed all the animals that had been kept alive. And Saul said, They've brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said to Saul, I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. So, verse 18, The Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said, But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the, on the mission which, you, which the Lord sent me. And I brought back King Agag, the king of, the Am of Amalek, and I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the plunder, sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice to the Lord. Then Samuel said, and I'm going to read that from uh, verse, I think we might have this one on the screen, um, verses 22 and 23. You see, what God saw that as rebellion because Saul had interpreted the word of the Lord the way he wanted to. So Saul was disobedient. And in verses 22 to 23, he said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity or sin and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. So what I want you to get from that scripture is that to obey is better than sacrifice. God wanted obedience. So worship is more than expressing our love through music. It's expressing our love through obedience. Obedience is the best way because with it comes so many blessings. So go back to what God last told you. Have you done it? Or have you interpreted it the way you want to and only done some of what God said? So when we worship together, as a church on a Sunday, it should be an overflow. It should actually be an overflow of our intimate and individual worship we give to God throughout the week. We mustn't hinder the Holy Spirit by being resistant or refusing or lacking passion. So, um, Ben, if you'd like to come up, that would be fabulous. I just want to talk to the people while you guys are coming up. We're going to enter a time of praise and worship, and uh, we're going to worship God right now. So, what I want to encourage you is we're going to, to do is we're going to put aside the thoughts of our plans for what we're doing after church. Worship to God is more important than having a cuppa or something to eat. Um, put aside any negative attitudes or mindsets that you might have. We have to remember that when we worship together as a church family, everyone impacts the atmosphere. So these guys are amazing. They do a great job. But it's not their responsibility. We all have a responsibility. If, 
if, if you're a visitor, that doesn't include you because you're visiting or you're just new. But if you've been here a long time, it's your responsibility to bring the, bring the right atmosphere into, into church on a Sunday. And so it's actually all of our responsibility because we all impact the atmosphere in here. We all do. And uh, so put away any negative attitudes that you might have. Ask God to forgive you for that, actually. You know, praise it that this team is not here to perform to us. They're here to lead us in worship together. So we have to bring our supply as well. And it's a heart attitude. So focus on showering your love on God in your own way. Yes, we have songs and we have words, and of course we can sing them together and it's wonderful, but I don't limit myself to that. When I'm standing down the front, I might be praying, I might be thanking God, I might be telling him I love him, I might be singing in tongues or something like that. You don't have to limit yourself to the words on the screen. Don't, don't stifle the Holy Spirit by hardening your heart. Be obedient to him. So I just want to remind you of what Jesus said in John 4.23. The hour is coming and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. He's seeking that. Okay? And uh, we're going to start by singing a couple of songs. And I, I will probably get up because I, I want to guide us into this, into this time. Um, but what I'd like you to, to start doing is, um, if you can all stand, that would be great. If you don't know God, God really loves you, by the way. And, you know... Um, you can still take part in this. And times of worship can be times of healing. But as you're standing or, or wherever you are, I just want you to think now on God. Close your eyes and think of God. And speak out thanks to him. Thank you, Father. Lord, we give you thanks. We give you praise. We thank you, Father God, you're so good. You're a good God, you're absolutely good. Thank you, Father, you are the creator of heaven and earth. You created us. And Lord, even though we're so small, Lord, you loved us so much that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for us, that if we choose to accept that gift, we then can receive full life. We receive what we call salvation. We receive life. Not just when we die, but now. So, Lord, we give you thanks. Thank you, God. You're so amazing. The sun's out outside, Lord, and it shines and brings warmth on all of us and on plants and animals and every, everywhere. And, Jesus, you are the sun. You are the sun as well. And you shine and you, you love us so much. You want to envelope us in your arms. And Lord, we, we just want to bring our praise and honor and worship to you now. 
thank you, Lord, for it. Praise you, Jesus. So keep that, that, keep your eyes on the Lord now. And if that means close your eyes, then close your eyes. We're just going to start off in some praise. Honey in the rock, purpose in your plan. 
something at the back as well, the, the giving box at the back. But as an act of worship, we can give to God as well, you know. And so if there's something you want to give, bring it up, put it in. And if you want to come closer, if you want to worship God close to the altar, if you want to get down on your knees, 
Don't let people around you stop you. Forget about the people. Forget about whether you look silly. Who cares? Nobody. God loves you and he wants your worship. He seeks it. Thank you, Father. So thank you, Lord. We're going to keep going. Same God now as you are. 
And I would rather be here than anywhere else with him.
Oh! 
Jesus. Man, we just honour your holy name. We're just so grateful to be able to be here as a unit, worshipping you, Lord Jesus. We love on you. We appreciate you. There's honey in the rock, water in the stone. Ground, no matter where I go, I don't need to worry now that I know everything I need. You got this honey in the rock.
Trust 